Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on Internet Land and Socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Hi, Preston. Hey, Michal, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Good morning to you. Good good uh, evening to you, or early indeed. evening, right? <laughs> you and are ending well, your day and I'm starting mine. Indeed, indeed. Although when you're crowdfunding, uh, uh, the day doesn't quite end when it normally <laughs> does. That's right. I'm sure it all just kind of bleeds into each other. Uh, indeed, indeed. Well, good to see you. It's good to see you too. Thank you so much for making the time during crowdfunding to come on the podcast. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, we will be talking about that for sure. I actually wanted to start off with something that hit me this morning. And it was an email uh, from ArtFinder about overfunding, which in the crowdfunding world is a good thing, right? If you think, or overfunded. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's, That's a good thing. So congratulations. But I saw at the bottom of this email about the overfunding. A quote from somebody named Preston Smith. Uh, it, yes. says, uh, <laughs> it says, I'm closing in on my 200th sale on the platform and can honestly say that Artfinder was instrumental in me being able to finally quit my day job and become a full-time artist. And I'm happy to say as of today, it's 203 sales and over 220 artworks. So thank you so much to Artfinder. And that, that statement couldn't be any more true. Thank you so much, Preston, for, for working with us and for yeah. doing your amazing artwork on Artfinder. Uh, and it's it's an honor to be helping you and thousands of other artists try, you know, in, in, in developing their careers. Yeah, it's it's been quite the journey. And I always tell people that Artfinder, uh, well, it was the first place I ever sold online. And it was instrumental. I remember it was the reason where I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I started working your platform specifically. And little by little, I got there and I was able to save up some money, pay down my debt and then, and then say goodbye to the day job. And I'm going on about seven years now of being a full-time artist. Wow. So thank you so much. I'm a, a testament to art. This, <laughs> this, this is music to my ears. Preston, <laughs> and it just is the reason why we all get out uh, in the bed in the morning. Really, it is yeah. because the team, uh, the team at Artfinder have 
always been very passionate about our core mission, which is to make art accessible, affordable, and most importantly, a viable career for artists. And yes. it's, a, it's, it's a hell of a task because it's not something that's been done before at scale. Yes. Uh, I know, you know, galleries do that very well. They do that at small scale with a handful of artists or maybe a, a dozen or two at the time. And it's, um, and it's, I guess it's challenging to the at international scale as well. So, uh, but it, it's what kind of gets us going and what's really empowering as well internally uh, when I speak to the team is the fact that, you know, we're not selling products that people don't need or want or are manufactured in unethical ways, etc. We're actually at the end of each transaction is, is a human being that is yes. put their heart and soul and creativity into creating something that is uh, enticing emotion that, you know, maybe otherwise you wouldn't feel. And art really is the essence of creativity, which is the essence of humanity. So yes. to me, to, to play a part in this and for everyone on my team to work towards achieving that exchange of creativity through our platform and connection of, of artists with art lovers is just truly humbling. It's amazing. And yes, it is no small task. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of that a little bit. Yeah, I, I know I know a lot of people are just really excited to work with ArtFinder because they do feel like what you're saying, they feel that you care. And, and I can tell you, working with other online art marketplaces, it's not always that way. So ArtFinder definitely feels kind of like a family, which is great. And I know we all appreciate that. But I'm sorry to start off about me. I'm going to keep this about <laughs> ArtFinder and about you. I, I guarantee it. So, so you are part of ArtFinder. So our I am a part. isn't complete without yours. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. So forgive me if I butcher your last name, but we are here with Michal Stejny. Is that right? Perfect. Yes. I got it. Okay, great. The CEO of ArtFinder. You started out, I think you've been with ArtFinder for about eight years. You've been there a little longer than me. And I didn't realize that you first came on as CTO, correct? Correct. So it's actually nine and a half years. So it's oh, nine and a half. Wow. A decade, oh, wow. So yeah, I joined in, in at the start of 2013 mm-hmm. uh, as the, uh, the title was VP of Engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an equivalent of, of chief technology officer. Uh, and I joined to essentially build the site to run the team that, uh, of engineers or of software developers to build the technology underpins at ArtFinder. And when I was joining, we didn't even quite have the vision for a marketplace yet. Right. The, you know, ArtFinder was very different. Uh, it, was, uh, it was more of a tool that people could use to discover art by artists that are no longer with us. Correct. So it's very much a Wikipedia for art slash, you know, a, a recommendation engine and also a bit of a image recognition technology. Mm-hmm. I think ArtFinder had lots of brilliant ideas about its inception and what it wants to be or what it wanted to be. Um, but those didn't quite materialize until we came up with uh, inspired by the artists because artists actually gave us this idea um, you know to, to transform and to pivot as many startups do and to pivot into uh, a different type of business a different business model and that business model um, from that moment onwards involved you know helping artists reach a global audience of buyers and that's when we formally or at the start of 2013 we 
it became a marketplace, but it wasn't a marketplace from the start. Yeah, that must have been kind of a light bulb moment, right? Yes, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't until much later that we realized that it's it's a it, we're on the right track, right? Because <laughs> you course. try ideas, you try ideas, and you, you you know you see what sticks, and that's how startups work. You um, and the original Artfinder team, you know, came to build something very very different. Um, and when I joined uh, in 2013, majority of the original founding team was no longer with Artfinder because the vision has evolved. They no yes. longer wanted to. They, they didn't quite get as excited about building a marketplace as perhaps I did <laughs> and the rest of the team that stayed. That's interesting. Um, it seems like that would be something that everybody would be really excited about. You know, oh, this is, you know, we're going to be able to help the global art community. But so how has that shifted? and is it hard to you to kind of take off that hat as a former CTO and be the CEO and not not put your kind of fingers in the technology aspect of it as much? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm itching to put my fingers in the technology <laughs> all the time. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's evolved. So uh, a few years on, I managed to convince uh, my dear friend and someone I used to work with for for a number of years. To become the chief technology officer of Artfinder, and at that stage, I moved to a, a chief operating officer role. And a few years later, when our uh, former CEO Jonas Angren stepped down at the end of 2017, uh, the board asked me to step up to the chief executive role. Yes, which was a challenge, but also at the same time, I think the best decision I've made. And, sure it was exciting uh, and scary at the same time. It was very scary. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about these challenges later, I guess. But I have the software engineer in my heart and I will always have it. You know, it's to me, software engineering is an art form. It's mm-hmm. just a different way of creating. It's um, it's a highly creative process. Many developers don't think of themselves as artists, but I think in my view, they are a kind of an artist because yeah. They come up with a vision for something. They come up with a way of solving that problem and essentially creating something, you know, on a blank canvas of their coding program and, sure. and come up with systems that actually deliver value to people that use them. And to me, you know, because I have that in my uh, in my heart still, I do to the despise of my colleagues in the technology department, <laughs> I do very often suggest ideas or 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 perhaps comment on what we're doing but i guess a ceo should really have a say on yes on on the direction of the product so uh i don't feel guilty about that at all. <laughs> you're like let go man <laughs> <laughs> no i think that's good yeah. that you're that you're hands-on i mean i think you should be i uh met jonas almgren in in la we had a little meet and greet Indeed. back in the day and very nice guy i know you worked with him I remember as an artist, and this is something that maybe will be a little, I don't know, sub thread that we're going to talk about, but people fear change, you know? And I know as an artist at the time, I was like, well, what's happening to this company? Because I, because our finder was so, such a big part at that time, especially of me quitting my job. And I was so attached to it. And I know a lot of people were freaked out. Oh, Jonas is leaving and art finder is changing. And I heard rumblings that, you know, the company wasn't doing well. And we were just like, I don't know. I, I don't know who this Michal guy is. Like, who's this guy? And we were uh, freaked out about it. But honestly, it, 
in hindsight, it, it was like one of the best things that happened for the company. You, you came in and you did a really good job. I know you had to pivot a lot. I know Artfinder was in some trouble. Uh, maybe you can talk about that a little bit. But first, I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about, um, I always do an origin story here with everybody. So like a superhero origin story. So if you could tell us ah. a little bit about your background, just, just a little, as much as you want to say, and what brought you to the place you are, and also what got you interested in art. Sure. Um, so yeah, uh, my story starts in central Poland, mm-hmm. where I was born and uh, raised in a kind of working family, working class family. My father was a police officer, and my mom, I guess, did a lot of different jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, I, I, I kind of grew up in a small village with not even a cinema or a theater or an, oh, wow. an art gallery. Um, now I think there is an art gallery, <laughs> but it's not really, it's, it's, yeah, ne- never mind. It's, um, <laughs> it's evolved, uh, it's yeah. changed, but you know, I, I, I grew up there and it was, it was a challenge living, you know, kind of throughout my, my early days, you know, I was born in communist days, but then uh, the system changed into democracy and, mm-hmm. and Poland went through a lot of turmoil. Uh, so it was quite challenging to be uh, growing up. We were missing some basic things uh, at home, but I, I don't think I can complain about my childhood at all. The only thing is when it came to developing some of my interests, mm-hmm. you know, computer interests, it was quite challenging to get hold of the equipment I would like. Yeah, right. Um, but I started coding at the age of about 10 when I got my first computer, Atari, and uh-huh. maybe it was even nine. Uh, but Can you remember really the coding. computer? We were, it was Atari 800XL. Nice. So it didn't even it didn't even have a, you know a floppy disk or anything like oh, that. Oh wow! It was just working off the cassette yes. tape. So <laughs> it was early days, and if you wanted to play a game, you either had to get hold of that cassette or you had to uh, type the code from the magazine mm-hmm. um, uh, that was uh, coming out on a monthly basis, and then. At the end of that long code that you would write, you would press enter and hope that it runs. And sometimes <laughs> it wouldn't. But anyway, that it was it, it was a fascinating thing for me, and I loved computers. And then at high school, I picked up IT even more uh, when internet became a thing in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, first glimpses of that at my high school, we had the privilege of of uh, getting access to internet and learning how to code HTML and CSS and I really enjoyed that. I entered some competitions with a with a mini site, and before I left high school, I had won some awards for the websites that I built. Oh, nice! And that kind of kickstarted my web making career. I continued doing that throughout my high school and uh, last years of high school as a kind of commercial projects for mm-hmm. companies locally um, in in my region, and then uh, yeah, I joined. Uh, a small business and I developed my career there, but I wasn't formally trained as a programmer. So in Poland back in the day, it was very difficult to kind of get a get a job as a software engineer if you're not, you know, if you don't have a paper confirming that you did um, a university right. degree in that field. Um, so a couple of years on, I was coding at my job, but my title was a I don't know, marketing specialist or something like that. Uh, uh, but, you know, day to day, I was just doing reports and uh, systems kind of integrations and, and whatnot. So 
I wanted to progress my career. And I realized at some point uh, after Poland joined the EU, it was an opportunity for me to uh, learn English, explore yes. uh, another country and perhaps pursue a, a, a more professional path as a developer. So I moved to London in 2006 and I found my first job where I stayed for seven years. And from a junior developer, I went all the way to head of technology. I kind of hit a ceiling there. Yeah. Um, but it was a, an amazing boot camp. I had the honor of working with some most amazing people there. Including was this Tangent? It was Tangent, yes. Yeah. And I had the honor of working with a truly inspirational set of people, including the current CEO of Octopus Energy here in the UK, Greg Jackson, yes. who is, uh, you know, is a, who is my mentor and he has been supporting me throughout the years. Uh, so very inspiring person and you know, very much a can-do attitude. Mm -hmm. um, he taught me a lot of things that I now try to teach the people that I work with. A couple of years on at Tangent, I decided to switch careers. Found Artfinder, my first in, my first interview, first job interview, looking for a job. I met Jonas, and the oh, interview wow. lasted lasted over two hours. <laughs> it was scheduled for <laughs> uh, you know thirty five minutes or 30, 30 minutes to forty five minutes, and we ended up talking over two hours. Um, I got a job, and the rest is the history. That's great! Wow, how hard was it to move from Poland to London? I mean, I know the job, you got a job pretty quickly, but was it kind of a culture shock? Was that difficult? Oh, it was like liberation for me. Oh, nice. As a gay, as, as a, as a gay man uh, growing yes. up in Poland, it was at times quite traumatic. I, uh, you know, Poland's a wonderful country. I love it. It's my homeland. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, the attitudes towards um, people that are not conforming to a certain set of standards, whether this is by religion or by... And their sexual orientation, especially at the time, and it still continues, unfortunately, but, you know, they weren't as favorable as elsewhere. Yes. So it was great to see, you know, the freedom of a big city like London and the open-mindedness of people, the diversity of the crowd, the diversity of view, the respect that people have for one another. And it was just, it was transformational uh, for my life. And I absolutely love this. And, uh, the ability for different groups of people to coexist peacefully and you know mind they mind their own business most of the time i mean yes. it's, obviously no country is perfect no society is perfect but i think uh, that was the biggest culture shock for me in in a good, in a good way. way yeah yeah I, well i love to hear that that's awesome i mean i came from a small town in idaho to los angeles it kind of felt like i was moving to a different country <laughs> one of the biggest melting pots on the planet and I will echo that. It's a, it's a great feeling. It's nice yes. to be around so much diversity. Well, thank you for sharing the story. It's funny. It's kind of similar to being a, an artist a little bit, your story, being a self-taught artist, you know, not having the degree and uh, being able to make something of yourself. It's not easy. Well, and I, I was going to talk to you about your mentorship with Greg, how important you said that that was very important, but um, that's something I think that translates well to being an artist as well. I had a mentor in college who really helped me. And I still hear his voice echoing in my head. Is that something you would recommend to, uh, to any artist coming up? And also maybe you could share something, just a little anecdote, something you learned from Greg. Sure. I think, yeah, I think having, we all have people that we look up to. And especially when we 
when we are young, you know, I was in my early 20s when I had the honor of starting to work with Greg. And, you know, he taught me a lot. He taught me um, just those things that matter and you know, how to kind of solve problems in a more effective way. And he also was always there for all his stuff, uh, staying late, checking in with who, whoever was doing overtime, uh, offering his help. It was just amazing that a leader can actually be supportive of people. And that was very different to what I was used to in Pope. You know, the leaders, yeah. the managers would just give orders. Uh, right. at, least, at least to some degree, that was my experience. Not, I also had some great uh, experiences in Poland, so I can't generalize. But, but it was more of a, a different approach. But I think anyone growing up, anyone developing any sort of career, I think it's really good to find some of some people who are insp- inspiring. And in this day and age, you know, uh, it's so easy. It you is. tune into a podcast, you yeah. follow someone on YouTube, you you read their blog series or uh, books or listen to audiobooks. Whatever that is, there are people who are giving up what they know for free to anyone in the world right now. Yeah, and that, that's truly beautiful. And to me. Uh, the wealth of mentors that are available to us right now is just it's just true richness but you know it's sad sometimes to see that you know we very often choose sometimes unconsciously to tune into uh, I don't know people dancing on you know, <laughs> to some tune and saying doing in silly things instead of perhaps diverting their attention into something that would be developing us as, uh, as human beings yes I agree and and reaching out to people on even Instagram DMing people, you can reach out to anybody now. They might not respond to you, but most people, especially artists are pretty willing to, to respond. I get DMs all the time and I'm always answering people. So it's easy now to seek out uh, a mentorship of some sort. Maybe it's not like what you and I had where you're working underneath somebody, but you can have somebody there who can guide you in the right direction a little bit. Uh, I wanted to talk about the B Corp because obviously that is extremely important to Artfinder. And it's something that I really love about the company as well. This, if I'm not mistaken, was your kind of idea. You discovered this, right? And do you want to tell us about B Corp? Yes. Uh, well, um, I can't claim I discovered B Corp. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I don't mean you found it. <laughs> but I, I came across it once I took over running of Artfinder back in December 2017. A couple of months in, uh, I, I had a meeting with an investor. A potential investor who uh, Martin Liu, uh, a UK-based ethical uh, and kind of socially conscious investor, mm-hmm. and you know we, I knew we were helping artists make a living. That's our mission, and uh, and I, I I met Martin, and you know he didn't choose to invest, but at the end of the conversation he said, "Oh, but why why you're not a B Corp? B Corp? What's B Corp? What's I'm going to Google it." <laughs> And I did Google it and I, I fell in love and it just kind of resonated with me because it, I realized we were at heart a B Corp always. Yeah. Um, right. uh, you know, a, a certified B Corporation is simply, uh, B stands for benefit. And it basically starts from a purpose. What is the benefit that the company delivers to society, the environment, all its stakeholders? And you start with that. And if you clear, you know, most of companies, unfortunately, in the world, 
exists to make a profit. Yes. And that's a benefit for its shareholders alone. So yeah, without providing yeah. any yeah, solely. Whilst with B Corps, it starts with your mission. So if you want your business to become a certified B Corporation, the first thing that you need to do, you need to change the legal articles that underline and that underpin the existence of the business. So in the UK, it's called Articles of Association. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's called Constitution of the Company. And you change the articles in a way that removes the line that says the purpose of the company is to make profits for its shareholders. Right. And you replace it. You replace it. You have to replace it with your mission statement. And it, and it's a, it's a mission lock. So the company's purpose is not to make money. It is to solve a societal issue or deliver a benefit to a particular underserved group or, or its customers or its suppliers or whatever it might be. There is still... You know, the company still needs to make money. It needs to bring returns yes. to its shareholders. That doesn't change. So you're not turning into a charity. Um, you but also, you can't really bills. make a benefit if you're not making money, right? <laughs> exactly. Because then you can't <laughs> hire people that yes, will deliver yes. that benefit. But I think the, the key thing is that in any B Corp needs to balance the needs of the shareholders with those of its suppliers, mm-hmm. employees, customers and the environment and as directors of a b corp we can't make decisions that don't consider all so we can't make a decision that just increases our profit without with disregard to all the groups that we work with yes and or the environment so it's you know it's changed you know it's took it's taken me a while after discovery of this concept that it exists and uh, it's suitable for what we do. It was like a eureka moment. It's like this is this is part of our identity. Let's get yeah. certified, and we 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 did that in 2019. We get, we are just working on recertifying again because you have to recertify every three years, right? And it transformed the way we do business. And for me, one of the key objectives for this was also. Because I run Artfinder, but I don't own Artfinder. Mm-hmm. I'm not the majority shareholder. Right. Um, you know, I have some shares, like every single employee of Artfinder, we all have shares uh, or options over shares. So, you know, of course, I'm motivated by the commercial success of the company. But most importantly, as a human being, I want to wake up in the morning Look my look myself in the eyes in the mirror and think. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to do something good today for human beings that yes. are out there. So by locking that in as a B Corp, that was the first step of transformation of Artfinder into what it is today. And I think it's the beautiful thing about B Corp is that it it starts a process of continuous improvement. It's a continuous iterative process. You don't stop. It's not that you get a you get a badge and you're done. Yeah. Well, because you could also get complacent, right? Yes, exactly. But you become a B Corp by making a commitment to your mission statement and continuous improvement as a business. And you need to continuously. So the expectation is every time you recertify every three years, you need to, or you should ideally improve your score. Yes. Can you lose your certification? Absolutely. Yes. That's good. Yes, uh, it is good you because it motivates you. Yeah. <laughs> it motivates you to stay yeah, For sure. on the ball. Well, it sounds like that's kind of the future of business. It sounds like a good model. I hope so. 
Yeah, I hope so in, too. In fact, in the UK, there is this campaign of, of a group of people and it's uh, lots of B Corps are supporting it. And Artvine is one of the founding members of Better Business Act Coalition. Mm-hmm. And Better Business Act basically is aiming to change the legislation in the UK so that the default model company articles or constitution has the benefit for all the stakeholders already baked in. Yeah. So you can still opt out of it if you want to just say it's just for profit. You yeah. can still do it if you want. But the idea is that the default template is structured in a way as as we all expected because if you ask if you ask an ordinary person on the street chances are they will tell you that they think that companies already have responsibility to, towards the environment and yeah. employees and 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 customers and and other stakeholders but the reality is in the law at least in the UK that's not the case yeah i'm sure it's the case here as well i mean it's it's good to see that changing i think it's one of those things where if everybody just does their part, we're not like expecting each company to like reinvent the wheel, but just to do something that moves us forward. Like I know for me as an individual artist, my wife and I, we became vegan eight years ago and that was for climate change purposes, not primarily, but like it was one of the reasons why we did it. And also, you know, using recycled materials. I do a lot of my work on just recycled wood that I find or glass or whatever that I find around on the streets. And that just that's just a little way of reducing my carbon footprint. And I know a lot of other artists are doing similar things or finder or finding like sustainably made canvas or, or whatever it is. And then if every artist is doing that and every company is doing that, we're going to make a real dent in this thing. I believe so. And I think it genuinely is every business's responsibility to, to do something about the problems that we face today. And, you know, all I can do as a human being is to try to leave this place a better place than it, than I found it. Yes. And, and you know, that's essentially the, the, the whole premise of being a B Corp. Is you just make that commitment that you're going to try to continuously improve the way you serve your community. And, you know, one of the things that we, we, we did start doing not that long ago um, is planting trees. That's what uh, I was going to ask you, you know, about next. <laughs> yeah so ask me <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing all my questions Michal. <laughs> no no it's great i love it i love it i was just gonna ask you about the million tree pledge and because we were talking about climate change so please go for it i love it yes i mean you know i i still qualify technically as a millennial uh, <laughs> so i'm not quite the the coolest gen z right now uh, but uh, you know it's it's a very important issue for me you know and i i I really love the nature, natural environment, and I think it's quite um, soul-destroying to see what we do as humans to this planet. me too. And I think everyone has the responsibility to look at what they consume and how they consume and what they can do to reduce their impact. And, you know, one of the simplest things that we thought we can start doing is just simply uh, planting a tree for every single artwork that we sell. Great. Uh, we don't have the tools yet to fully, truly, and independently verify exactly the carbon footprint of all the art shipments that we facilitate through uh, across the world. We are, we are, we've done some work on it, mm-hmm. but it needs to be refined. But the the goal is for us to fully become uh, net zero by 2030. We want to plant at least a million trees uh, mm-hmm. by 2025. Oh, I thought it was 2030. So, oh, that's good. Not so long from here. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, so far, we've managed to fund well over 140,000 trees. Wow. So, you know, it starts with one tree. That's awesome. And it kind of quickly adds up. And it's, it's thanks to our community because, uh, you know, customers also want to make a difference. They want to shop ethically. And, you know, there is no better way to shop ethically, if, you know, if not by supporting the maker, someone that actually cares about the environment as you do, yes. you know, looking at making art in sustainable ways. And, you know, our dream is to make sure that the, the roots that is uh, the art is taking from, from the artist to the art lover is carbon neutral. Uh, all that we can do right now is make sure that we at least offset it by planting trees. But I really want us to get to a point where, you know, transacting on art finder is, is something that you can just not even think about the impacts, yes. you know, we should take care of it. Right. No, I agree. And I think part of that is also, it's difficult because shipping is such a big part of right of that, isn't it? Yes. I think that should also fall on those companies a bit to improve the way that they're, yes. I don't even know if we could do electric planes, but, or, or having some way of having a little bit better fuel source. I don't know, but that should be their goal as well as ours, because look, we have to ship our work. And aside from me getting in a little rowboat, <laughs> you know, with my piece and rowing it over to, to the UK, uh, there's really no better way to do it. It seems like maybe, you know, a little bit more about that. Are there more sustainable ways to ship your art? Yes, there are. They are not perfect because obviously a big shipping container ship still um, burns through a lot of fossil fuels yes. at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but there are more and more companies, you know, it is genuinely on the agenda of most, the biggest shipping freight companies in the world. I know they are working on it, like DHL, for example, is one of the uh, leaders yes. Um, in, in terms of offering opportunities to offset emissions from shipments right at the point of booking. And they also uh, try and you know, modernize their fleet. So the last leg of the journey, for example, very often now takes place in electric vehicles and it's changing rapidly. I yeah. think the current energy crisis will only accelerate that shift yes. because you know it is a fossil fuel energy crisis. It's not renewables because it's you know, once you have solar panels, once you have solar electrons flowing, you don't have to pay for, for the fuel. You know, the sun yeah. is free. Right. So I think I really hope what's happening right now in the world will only accelerate that transition to a, to a renewable world. Yeah, you. it's one of those things with a lot of these companies, you almost have to hit rock bottom before they make a big change like this. And I think some yes. of these things that are going on in the world are are pushing us towards that rock bottom. I know a lot of companies are already moving towards that, but for the big companies that are, have been resisting, hopefully that'll get us across the finish line. Uh, so that's good. So I wanted to ask you, because we laughed about this a little bit when I interviewed David and Jane about ArtFinder being a startup still. Do, would you still consider ArtFinder a startup after all these years? I think we, we still have the startup mentality. I would like yes. to think that. But you know, we are a business that's more than 10 years old, uh, since since its official incorporation, although as a marketplace we're we're nine, yeah, um, and we we you know we are fairly established on 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 the art scene. We've got a solid business model. There is uh, you know we're not in a, in that phase as many startups are when it's uh, die or survive yes. choice. Uh, we've been there. Many times. <laughs> uh, that's the difficult times that you mentioned before. Oh, yeah. 
but it's we are we are definitely in a place where we have worked so hard that we have built something that works and it functions well at its core. Yes, there are always ways that we can improve it. There are always things that we need to do, and the market is changing. The reality is changing. Yes, you know the business has to constantly evolve. You can't stand still in this day and age. Um, so. Um, and my mind just escaped somewhere else. And I oh, that's go, fine. Oh, I I've got another question. If you, uh, <laughs> if you want, it, it happens to me all the time. Sorry, just, <laughs> no, it happens I, to me all the time. It's, it's, it's nearly 6 p.m. here. I know it's, you're it's probably busy. fried. I'm like, I've got enough coffee in me, but I, I, I have, I try to hold so many things in my mind and sometimes I lose my train as well. But um, my wife and I were watching, uh, we crashed. Have you, have you seen that? Do no, you know about this? No, no, about, no, the, no. about the, we were company. Ah, we crash. Uh, yes, we work. Yes, uh, it's a, I, I it's know an the app- story, but I don't know the the the, the show that you. Were yeah, it's an Apple series, and it has like uh, Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway, and they play okay. Adam Newman and Rebecca Newman, and and this, the whole follows the whole story of WeWork and how they were growing rapidly yes, and yes, so, yes. so unsustainable, and of they course. did this the whole time under the guise of raising the world's consciousness. You know what I mean? And they got into a lot of fire for that at the end because it was like, well, what are you doing? You're building like office space, shared office space. Like, is, how are you raising the world's consciousness? It just reminded me, I'm, I'm always interested in these, in startups and these unicorn companies. And I think Artfinder, it's refreshing because you kind of put your money where your mouth is. Like as a B Corp, you are really working towards being sustainable and you know, you can see the progress. You can see it. You're, you guys are being very transparent. I know at one point you guys kind of made a little bit of a mistake and you reached out to the Artfinder community and said, hey, look, we made a mistake. This is what we're doing about it. And I just really appreciate that about the company. And I know that um, other artists do as well. I think it's a very basic thing that we should all do. Yeah. You know, take, owner, take ownership of our actions. But not and- a lot of companies do. <laughs> Yeah, not a lot of companies do. That's that's true. Um, but I would argue that we do. We are raising uh, consciousness. Yeah, for sure. Artists are, you know, and, yes. and we are we are enabling art to travel uh, around the world and find the worthy home. Yes. Uh, for each piece, and there is an art lover for every art piece. I think, and I agree. Know, taste is very subjective. Always. We might not agree on that, but I think many people do just simply agree that art is something truly special for many. And, uh, you know, you might not like the modern art, but you might like something that just speaks just to you. And that's yours. And that's yes. beautiful. And that's, I think, in that sense, uh, weirdly, we do raise the, uh, the consciousness because we connect people with art. Yeah. But I, I, I think that ownership of of our actions i think it's just a basic thing that we should all have and i wish we lived in a world where you know after an oil oil spill the big polluter you know actually does what they need to do or own, owns up to their actions and it's yes. just that's such a basic thing that sadly um, because of the profit driver still being the main driver very often these uh, choices or moments of transparency or opportunities for transparency are not taken up. Yeah, I agree. Two things about that. I definitely agree that Artfinder is raising the world's consciousness. I just mean that you aren't, that's not your <laughs> mission statement. That's not what you're saying, but yeah, I think no, you no, could no. wear, I think you could wear that 
proudly. I think art in general is doing that. And then you, your company on top of that is as a B Corp is trying to work towards sustainability. So nobody has a better chance of saying that than, than Artfinder. So obviously we talked about this really early on and people are like, well, are we going to talk about crowdfunding? So you're still crowdfunding right now. I believe you're still open to SEC accredited investors in the United States, correct? That's correct. Yes. So we are a UK registered business. So there are some restrictions as to who can participate in the investment round that we have open. It's a little bit more relaxed in Europe. Uh, You know, in Europe, investors can invest from as little as £10 sterling. Uh, But US investors are required to be SEC accredited. And the minimum investment is is a little bit higher. It's about, I think, in dollars, it's about $30,000. So it's significant. But we are very keen on welcoming US investors, people with US expertise, Mm -hmm. because we are growing very fast in the US. And being a UK-based company, uh, you know, how best can you get access to open some doors in the US, if not through US-based investors? And we're very lucky. We've got an amazing community uh, in this round, we have already welcomed some um, amazing customers from the U.S., uh, amazing investors from all over the world, and I think this is uh, the strength of Artfinder. You know, we will hopefully by this uh, by the end of this round, uh, we will be you know close to ten percent owned by the community that we serve. Oh wow, and that's that great! Is, that is a, a major uh, progress for a small private business. Uh, you know, I do think this is a major achievement because we are held accountable by people who we serve. Yes, I agree. So now people who are listening to this, who are like, I want to invest in Artfinder, how would they go about doing that? Uh, it's a good question. And uh, <laughs> I can put links in the get... show notes too. <laughs> <laughs> they would just need to get in touch with me. And I think there are links from artfinder.com directly to our uh, CrowdCube page. Yes. Uh, but you know, my, my email address is Michal at artfinder.com. I engage with everybody. I love to talk to customers and to people, even that if they just send some feedback. So whether it's for investment or for just general feedback or chat, I'm always available and always around, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it will be amazing to get some more people on board yeah. and help Artfinder develop its technology for the benefit of our community and also the growing community in the U S. And where does the or sorry, when does this round end? How long do people have? So we will be open until publicly until the end of May, beginning of June. Okay. Uh, but there will be a window of opportunity shortly after that as well, uh, most likely for about a month or two. It really depends on the lawyers. I don't know the expert there. <laughs> Uh, but I would say, you know, it takes time to secure an investment and go through that process. Yeah. So I would say if anyone's interested, the sooner, the better. Definitely. And then if you're just a normal investor, you're not an SEC accredited investor in the United States. But if you're in the UK and many other parts of the world, you could just go on to Crowdcube and search Correct. for Artfinder and then just make an investment. You said as little as 11 pounds or 10 pounds. Sorry. That's right. 10 okay. pounds. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's great. So just go, uh, you can search them on Crowdcube. I will also be putting a link in the show notes for anybody who's interested. So you can just click right through to that and and make an investment. So 
hopefully people will uh, get on board because it's a great company. I wish I could invest, but maybe down the road. Maybe down the road. That's okay. Maybe, I, I really hope we will, we will have more opportunities in the future for our US community. Yes. Uh, you know, it is one of the key things for us is to have artists on board. And we now have artist shareholders. I think there's not many companies that sell art that can say that. So I'm very That's proud so great. Yeah. Well, and then in the, in the startup world, you're always hearing, you know, everybody's so obsessed with, you know, unicorns and they're obsessed with IPO and all that. Is it something that in Artfinder, are, are they ever interested in going public or does it serve you better to stay as a private company? I think it's definitely our ambition to grow and get to a size and stage where we serve more of our community worldwide. We only have 7,000 artists at the moment on our platform, just over. Yeah. And there are hundreds of thousands of artists around the world. So it will be a, a rather difficult thing to get to the full coverage. But, you know, yeah. it's our ambition to help more people. And that inevitably means bigger size of the company, bigger uh, bigger size in terms of the capital structure, et cetera. So at some point, I think it does make sense for the company to go public. Yeah, But we'll see when we get there. I think what we are really keen to do is to deliver sustained growth yeah. and sustainable growth yes because sustainable growth is one that does not fixate on profit 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 but it's one that balances the needs of all members of it, of the community and as a business of course the artists that own our business the customers who own our business and shareholders that own our business they want a return and we want that return to be provided to them so that's yeah. our ambition Yes. Uh, but it's not something that I would say we will uh, do in the we crash style. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I believe it. And um, it's interesting. I wonder, it must be very difficult to balance out being a B Corp and trying to do something like that. Because if, if all your investors want profit, then almost the public or all of your investors have to be also on board with that, correct? Yes. But I think the beautiful thing is that once people grasp the concept of yeah. a business, just being a collection of humans that are trying to achieve something together. That's yeah. what a company is. Sure. You know, we need to pay the bills. We need to pay the salaries. We need to pay the marketing. We need to pay all the costs. So I think people do understand how it functions and that the business needs to sustain, sustain itself. Mm -hmm. And of course, people who provide the funds to establish a startup and get it going and get it started, you know, they expect some sort of return at some point. So that's all very simple concepts that I don't think anyone argues with. I think, yeah. so even our artists understand in general that, you know, at some point we do need to, as a business, deliver returns to our shareholders and now including our artists as shareholders. Yeah. And, and, and that's basic principle. I think it's when... Uh, when companies mislead or they they say one thing and they do another or uh, when they are not honest. And I think very often it happens, you know, how many times are we greenwashed every day? <laughs> you know, buy our beautiful recycled bottles that you can't never possibly recycle anywhere where you live. Right. But, you know, we're doing something green. And actually, that's not the point. The point is, you know, how do we create entities, business entities and units that work and serve the community? Yes. And I wanted to take it 
one step further and maybe ask one more question about the crowdfunding, just because I'm sure it's interesting to artists. They don't get a peek behind the curtain that often of the side of the business. What are you excited about spending some of the money on? Like, what, what are you going to reinvest that in if you can talk about it? I can, of course. And it's, yeah. by the way, you know, it's all visible on a, publicly on our pitch page on Crowdcube. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we are, we are raising money to invest in technology. Yeah. That's the key thing, key product that we sell. You know, what is at the heart of ArtFinder is the technology platform that enables those interactions between artists and customers to take place. Mm-hmm. Our technology needs an upgrade and needs development and needs manpower uh, in order to get that off the ground. And that's what we're raising for. So essentially, one of our key focus points is to make the website faster, better for its users. Mm-hmm. more personalized because at the moment what you see and what I see on our fine will be pretty much the same. same and that's yeah. not ideal because we might have very different art tastes right. and that's very personal for everybody. And, you know, we need to make our final more personalized and also just continue our journey on making art buying a breeze because ultimately you shouldn't worry as a customer, uh, you know, how much taxes are you going to pay on import from, an artist that's based in India, you know, you just want yeah. to buy it because you love it and you want to support the artist. And it's our job to invest in that technology platform so it makes it smooth. And I think I'm already super proud because we have artists in over 100 countries and approximately 60% of our transactions are international. So it's a, wow. it's a huge opportunity for those artists that live in countries where perhaps there is no art market. Like in Poland, not many people buy art. That's that's a fact yeah Uh, but there are some amazing artists and now they have the opportunity to sell worldwide uh, through a platform like ArtFinder. it's amazing yeah and to you know claim international prices for those as well which i would absolutely be very beneficial to that to certain areas of the world Um, so that's great that's very that's awesome i wanted to well first of all i don't know how much time you have i want to be mindful of your time so we're we won't talk too much longer. And I thank you for you know making some time. I was going to ask, this one you're probably tired of, <laughs> of answering, but when I talked to David and Jane about this earlier, I had to ask about NFTs and you know they were kind of laughing at the time and say, well, no, we're, we're not really interested in NFTs. I heard a little bit of some rumblings about maybe that shifting a bit. Where do you currently stand on the NFT topic? I think it's a very exciting technology that has a lot of potential, but it's not quite ready yet for the mass market. And I think yeah. the challenges of NFTs are clearly visible if you just learn a little bit about the technology. You know, yeah. it's still unfortunately not delivering the level of transparency that it promises. Mm-hmm. It still unfortunately has an extremely high cost on the environmental side. Carbon footprint, it yeah. still, unfortunately, is very difficult to understand and therefore it is prone to abuse. And there is lots of um, fraud happening. We see uh, you know, pretty much every day there are headlines about someone losing their NFT wallet and yeah. losing their collection or being scammed into clicking something. So that I think- happened to me as I was starting. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I I started to get on on yeah, I was getting involved. I was doing my Coinbase thing and my meta wallet or whatever it is. 
And I had a little bit of a, a hack into my account at the very beginning. And I was like, all right, wow. I'm going to take a step back here. And I've heard from other people, similar things. And I also know people who are very tech savvy. I consider myself to be pretty tech savvy, not as tech savvy as you, but it's, there's a big learning curve as well. So I just yes. wanted to echo that, but sorry, go ahead. I, I think the market you know, there are people that are ready for it and they are using it and they are embracing it and that's great. But yeah. an art finder's audience, I think, includes a lot of people that are, you know, probably a bit cautious about the, the speculative side. And obviously one of the things that also kind of, I think is very visible to me and I hope to, to many more people is the speculative nature of the NFT scene right now. Yeah. It's the fact that there is a lot of people in there that are trying to get rich quick. And there is not necessarily a lot of opportunity to resell those assets. Or, you know, there's, it's very easy to make it appear as if the asset is increasing in value because yeah. there are some random wallets passing it and increasing the price. But you don't really know that behind the scenes is the same person owning all those wallets. Yeah. And you are going to be the last person buying it for a million. And that's the, that's the challenge <laughs> that's true. of this market yeah. is the speculation. Our mission is to bring transparency mm-hmm. and to bring clarity and to remove that speculation. So our stance on NFTs is that we will do something in that space. We are thinking about the best way of using this new technology, mm-hmm. but we want to do it in with the regard for the environment that's built into our articles and the fact yes. that we're a B Corp. You know, if one transaction uses the same amount of energy as a family, an average family in Nor- Norway or, or uh, in Western Europe yeah. is for a month, you know, we kind of, you know, and imagine if we just start selling NFTs in volume, that's just not sustainable. But I agree. There are some great technologies coming out there that will advance that. And at some point in the future, it will become environmentally acceptable. Um, but that's that's just one of the components that you know we can't we have to have in place in order for us to step into this market and help artists make sense of it because I think it's it's just really really difficult at the moment to get your head around it. It's just way too technical, way too complex. And I think if we can bring in something in that space that actually makes it easy for people to use. And not have to think about the you know the technicalities of it, and we hold some sort of guarantee over the transactions, etc. I think that's when it becomes interesting because you know it is a great new technology. It will move forward. Yes, it will. One day it will become uh, uh, you know in one shape or form, whatever incarnation, but it will be a daily daily thing that we carry in our smartphones and. But it's it's a couple of years away, I would say. Yeah, that's a great answer. Wait for the technology to catch up a little bit, become a little more sustainable, become a little more dependable, and then maybe venture into it. And I always tell artists too, like, because some people are, it seems like they're on either side of the fence. Hell no, I'm not doing NFTs. Or like, I love it. I've quit all my other art practice and I'm just focusing on NFTs. That's what it seems like it is for the most part to me when I talk to other artists who are doing NFTs. And I do know some artists who are doing very well with them. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where I just say, look, it's here to stay and it'll probably end up just being another tool in our arsenal. But I am not comfortable jumping into that full time either. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see a future where we can actually merge a little bit with that. But yeah, it has to become more sustainable. So thank you for that answer. 
I wanted to ask you one more question, and then I'm going to ask you just a couple. We always do a couple personal rapid fire things, and they're fun. We're not going to get too personal. But what does the future of Artfinder look like to you? And also, what do you think the future of the art world and art technology online? I had a little help with this question from a friend, David Venon from uh, Artfinder Community, <laughs> the community leader. I always bow when I say his name. <laughs> So uh, what do you think about that? I think, you know, the future of Artfinder is, I, I'd say it's very interesting because it will involve us working more closely with our community than ever before. And uh, I hope it's bright. You know, I, yeah. I believe that because that's, that's why I'm here. For sure. Uh, I think, you know, my dream and our dream here at Artfinder is to bring the platform to more artists all over the world and for them to enjoy the benefits of it more widely. Uh, I want more artists on Artfinder to sell. At the moment, only about two thirds of artists that we have have sold something. I think it should really be still, close to 100%. Still pretty good. It's pretty good, but you know we are here to help them make yep. a living. Yes. Uh, and they won't make a living by not getting sales. So you know, it's yes. our ambition. It's one of key metrics that we measure. And we want to keep on improving that. So I want art friend that reaches more corners of the world, uh, speaks more languages, uh, helps people communicate between uh, you know between borders, and uh, you know even if they don't speak the same language, you know we yeah. have the technology to enable that. And I want to continue developing it. So future for the art market itself and the tech kind of the, the juncture between the two. I think it's extremely interesting. And NFTs have definitely stirred something, yeah. you know, quite strongly. Uh, and there's a lot of people interested in the art market, again, because of NFTs, let's face it. And, and I think um, it's bringing some collectors in that weren't collectors before. Correct. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And I think it's an interesting one. The future, you know, I don't have a crystal ball uh, to, to read from, but my, my gut feel is that, you know, the technology will become more and more ubiquitous and it will be sometimes indistinguishable from the real world, especially with the, uh, uh, you know, the AR, the yes. VR, uh, um, the, the Web3 technologies uh, unfolding and, you know, nobody really knows what it means yet, but... There are some <laughs> visions for it, uh, but I think what's exciting is that we will see that blend of reality and uh, virtual worlds coming together, yeah. and it will also involve art because VR, AR, it's all visual, and artists are people who can help create those spaces and those worlds more attractive, make them more, you know, convey more meaning and convey more emotion etc so i think it's very exciting i do think there will always be a market for physical artwork artwork and um, because people will always want to ground themselves in the space where they live there will need to be a space and time where you disconnect yes. and when you are connected with the world that you are in right now yeah i agree it's going to be some sort of a hybrid model a combination of the two. I can see a world where with, you know, VR and AR, like, you know, the mashups with music where you'll mash up different songs. I can see a future where 
maybe you have a piece that you can look at in virtual reality and, and the person who's actually interacting with the artwork might be able to manipulate it and change the art a little bit to just, so they can be part of the creative process as well. I think something like that would definitely be, um, you know, in our future, but let's move on to these quick rapid fire ones. Um, I always ask people what their superpower is. What is it that keeps you going? If you're not, typically I'm asking people in a creative sense, but I think of you as a creative person as well. If you're not feeling it on a certain day, what is it that gets you going, gets you into that space? Meditation. Yes. I actually wanted to talk to you about that. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a meditator. How often do you meditate? I try to do it daily, sometimes a couple of times a day. Uh, but reality is that it's not always possible. But yeah. that's, uh, I'm trying to stick to at least a, a daily bit. Are you using an app or are you just doing your own thing? Are you doing like TM? Are you just doing like a mindfulness thing? What does it look like? It's a, it's a mixture. And I think also that I used to have this misconception about meditation that it has to be, you know, half an hour on a mat yeah. in yeah. a specific setting, etc. <laughs> but now I understand it's, you know, and I, I think I'm more into mindfulness, um, but it's, I can practice it even here and now whilst we're talking. And yes. that's something that I never really quite grasped. Um, but just being aware of my own breathing, being aware of my own, you know, the emotions arising and the difficulty because life <laughs> tends to be difficult for all of us, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, and and uh, that's, you know, one of the things that came to mind when we were talking about VR and AR is like how much of an escape it is from reality. Yeah, and, uh, right. Very often we escape from reality rather than just confront it and and accept it. And yeah, uh, but that's a, that's a completely different. <laughs> no, no, but I think what you said is great because meditation for me is really just about being present. I don't. I used to be the same thing. Like, oh, I got to sit for half an hour, an hour. Uh, you know, if your thoughts come in, you're doing it wrong. But that's actually part of the process is learning to accept those thoughts that come in and just be with them. But um, I do working meditations where I'm working. I'll be just focusing on my breathing as I'm working. It keeps me mm. more calm, less anxious. I just try to fit in like a 10-minute meditation when I can. I just do like an interval breathing technique. And people are probably tired of hearing this. But I think it's such a great tool just to be a better human being and, and to to work more efficiently. There as well. you go. Your podcast is uh, raising human consciousness. Here <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the new tagline of the podcast: <laughs> raising humans' consciousness. Um, so, but we okay. need to do that. We do need to we raise do. that consciousness. I know. I'm joking, but I do believe in it as well. So, I do think what we're doing matters, and it it does contribute to raising human consciousness for sure. I always ask this question. I always get pushback. Biggest failures, I don't mean, I don't really think of failures as failures, but you know what I mean. Something that you did that didn't work out and what did you learn from it? Does anything come to mind? Uh, lots of things come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're like doing this podcast. Well, I'm just I, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Of course not. I think the, the biggest failures are perhaps when I didn't quite listen to my own gut and... Yeah. I think this is something I recently realized, especially the, the more I kind of go into trying to listen to my my own inner voice or voices yeah, right. and thoughts and uh, and emotions. And it's how amazing our body is that it gives us an indication of what we should do. And very often when we ignore it, 
that tends to lead to some sort of failure and regret. And I think, uh, you know, anytime I did that in the past, I think that's when and that's when I would consider it a failure. But the beautiful thing of being human is that we can learn from those failures. And I think this is what, what I think, you know, gives me hope as well, because every day we will make choices and not always they will be right. I agree. So you're, you're basically saying to, to listen to your intuition. Correct. Yes. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, thank you for that. And um, let's do one last one. Advice to young Michal. It's going to be any, okay. a, any age, any age, you, in your, all your wisdom now, what would you impart on your younger self? Be aware that the critic that you carry with you every day is not you. Oh, it is good. someone else. It's not your identity. Because I think for many, many years, I, I thought that is me. I think I, I now I'm aware that we all struggle with that voice or voices uh, that are kind of criticizing and, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not. All I can do in this world is do my best. And that's yes. what I do every day. And, and that voice, is, it's there. It will always be there. I'm aware of it. Let's move on. Well, that's, that's a great answer. And I love that because you've already answered it with meditation. I mean, meditation is something that's a tool that helps you have awareness and be able to witness that critic. We all have those thoughts and they can be so damaging. And sometimes it's just your lizard brain trying to protect you, you know, and, and just being able to go, I see you, you know, thank you, but I, I'm, I'm not going to do that (laughs) right now. Yes. So um, it's just interesting what kind of thoughts arise. Um, yeah right yeah, yeah. I, I, i've read this uh, uh book a new earth by eckhart tolle oh my god this is my favorite uh, oh really i mean it is one of my favorites absolutely and just the, the kind of realization that you know when, when he says that it is we all have it and yes. it's just that kind of realization oh wow so it's not that i'm crazy or something like no is just part of the human makeup and and how we are born and how the brain functions and it's okay to be aware of these things and without letting them rule my life uh, but it I is it is agree. a learning curve I completely agree and I love that you said Eckhart because he's he's one of my people that I always come back to I love that he he talks about it so well with you know when he has that break when he when he finally couldn't take it anymore and it's like, I couldn't live with myself, almost like there's two yeah. separate entities in your body. And that's, that really sums it up for me. And, and that's yeah. when he, whatever, had his awakening. But Eckhart Tolle, for anybody who, out there who's struggling uh, with being present, definitely check him out. New Earth is one of my favorites. Power of Now is also very good. Uh, thank it. you so much. And is there anything, I, I just want to finish up by anything you want to talk about that we left out. If there's something you want to shout out, please do. And if not, if you feel pretty good, then just would love for you to speak to the ArtFinder community and just say is, if there's anything you would like to impart on them or encourage them to do. Now's the, think, now's the chance. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't prepared this, so it's it's going to come straight from my heart. But I think the, yes. the key thing for artists, I would like to say, is just keep creating beautiful artworks and keep supporting one another because one of the most amazing things that I still 
pinch myself whenever I become aware of it, and David makes me aware of it very frequently, mm-hmm. is the power of connection between our artists and our artists and customers and what kind of impact it has in people's lives. Because not always will the artists find success by selling, but very often people will receive comments, appreciation, recognition, you know, even a simple message saying, I love your artwork. I can't buy it. Yeah. But, you know, I really love it, you know. Yes. Keep making it. And I hope one day I'll be able to afford it. But I think, you know, Artfinder would be no more if it wasn't for the community. And I think your support is absolutely essential for what we do. It is a tough business environment for everyone. I know how tough it is for you, for you all now. And, yeah. you know, it's an honor to be serving you. And it's an honor to be part of this community, even though I'm not an artist myself. It's, I, it's something that I never thought would change my life. And it has. So I'm very oh, that's grateful. awesome. That's beautiful. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that. And uh, you're right. It's, you know, it's validation. That's what we're all looking for as artists, even if somebody's not you know, make taking the leap and buying a piece just to have those words of encouragement or to have somebody say like your art really affected me. That's validation. Yeah. And thank you to Artfinder and for what you do and all the transparency with the company and for helping us artists make a living with what we do. Thanks for coming on. Oh, and thanks. Everybody thanks check out artfinder.com. I will put links in the show notes for Crowdcube if you want to invest. And yeah, thank you so much, Mahal. Thank you, Preston. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.